Holy, gracious, and Father, creator of all things, and Savior of this church, and all those who have been called, Father, by your Son, Jesus, Jesus Christ, to come and follow him. We thank you, O Lord, for the grace that you shower upon us. We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that resides in our hearts, that we might know your truth and know the way into your kingdom. We thank you this day, Father, for this church when it is in mission, for those people every week, Father. uh, It doesn't have to be a large group out in mission, but there are people in this church visiting in the hospitals, uh, visiting, Father, uh, in the homes. There are people in this church working in the food pantry and at the community center. There are people who are doing this, Father, because they truly have the heart of your son, Jesus Christ, in them, and they have a mission to be the light of the world as he has called us to be. We thank you, Lord, this day uh, for this summer weather. Though it's a bit hot for us, Father, we are thankful that you have uh, watched over us here in the valley, uh, Lord, that we have uh, had, had a good year of rain and sun, a good year, Father, where we can see all around us the beauty of your creation. We thank you for those who visit us during the summer. I know we have guests in this service and also coming in the second service, and we pray, Father, uh, that as they... Uh, travel that you would give them safe travels father we thank you for your son jesus christ who calls us to come and to follow him and for your word which this day we open and we we read about a young man a rich young man who comes to jesus and wants to know the way to eternal life and father we pray that we would also have that question heavy upon our hearts lord how do we attain eternal life through whom is eternal life available and we pray father that uh, you would guide us through your word to know that jesus is the way the truth and the life father it is to your honor and your glory that we now sing and amen scripture today is from mark 10 verse 17 through 31 as he was setting out on a journey a man ran up to and knelt before him and ask him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. He said to them, Teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. When Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields 
for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecution, and in the days of to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thank you for that, that reading of the word. Uh, rather long passage, and we're not going to uh, look at the whole passage, but essentially to focus in on the rich young ruler and not so much the discussion afterward with the disciples. You know, uh, I don't know if uh, you've ever walked away from anything. Most people, you can remember something if you go back that you have just turned around and walked away from. You said that's the end of that. Some people walk away from a marriage, a relationship. Sometimes they turn around and walk back into it. Uh, Sometimes uh, we leave a job. We leave a town. We move away. We walk away. So walking away is, is, is something a lot of us have experienced or all of us have experienced in some way. Some people make a habit out of and, and a habit out of it and they tend to uh, continue to walk away perhaps often when they shouldn't have given up on something and walked away. But this passage today, it's one of my favorites in, in the Gospels. It appears in Matthew and John and in Mark. And what I love about it is, is just... Uh, the idea that there is this young man and he's full of idealism. That's how I see him. He's that young person who wants life to be perfect. He's got everything he needs materially. He's got uh, riches. He's uh, no doubt got a family that he's secure with. He has friends. His life is perfect. But he knows Jesus is out there preaching. He's heard about this itinerant uh, rabbi going around the countryside teaching, and he's got these ragtag disciples with him. And there's something about Jesus, something he has heard, that causes him to come and to approach Jesus and to ask him the, the most important lesson that there is in life, the one thing that he's not quite sure of. And that's, how do I attain eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, well, tell me the things that you have done. Because J- Jesus knows that, that uh, for most of us, it's the idea of what we have done. And we kind of keep a little checklist. And we know the things that, uh, where we've been naughty, and we know the things where we've been nice. And Jesus ta- says to him, have you done this and this and this and this? And he names six different things from the Ten Commandments. The first four of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. And he knows that this, this uh, young man uh, comes from a good Jewish home. He knows that uh, he uh, attends to the laws of the Sabbath and he does the things around God. This is, he already realizes this. But he's a little concerned with the young man and his relationships with other human beings. And so he gets into thou shalt not kill and honor your father and mother and, and, and don't covet the things of your neighbor. And, and he puts all those out and the young man says, oh, all those things from my youth, from my childhood, I have, I have done these things. I have followed this. And then Jesus looks closely at this young man. And being Jesus, he looks at his heart. And he discerns that there is one thing here that is separating this young man from God. 
And either the young man has, has somehow covered it up or maybe deep inside he knows about this problem and that's why he's come to Jesus in the first place. Because he senses that there is something here that disquiets my soul. That makes me not sleep at night. And I want to know what it is and, and what can I do about it because I don't want it to separate me from God and his kingdom. And Jesus says to him, one, one, one other thing you need to do. You need to go and sell everything that you have, all your possessions, and give the proceeds to the poor, and then come and follow me. And it's one of the saddest passages in all of the Gospels, uh, right, right up there with the time when Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? I've always found that to be a, 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 a really kind of, it, it brings you down a bit, that Jesus Christ himself would wonder, when I will return, will there be any faith on the earth? When we're all about church growth and, and adding people, and it, you know, that's what we need to do. But Jesus had a, had a time there where he said, at the moment when I return, will there even be any faith on the earth? Because faith isn't nearly as easy as we think it is. And for this young man who's now just been challenged, He turns away, and he walks away from Jesus, sad, because he had many things, a lot of stuff. And I think included in that are not just the possessions, not just the money in the bank, but also family and friends and relationships. It's not just that he's been told to take all his stuff and sell it and give it to the poor, but he's also been asked to come and follow Jesus and to leave his home. And you know, a little while later in the passage, as as it was read, uh, Jesus says to Peter, he says, no one who has left father and mother and, and brother and sister and family, no one uh, will not receive a hundred times more in the kingdom. He's acknowledging that part of perhaps what's going on with this young man, it's not just that he's possessed by his things, but he's also possessed by other relationships that are going to come between him and God. And that's one of the toughest things about the gospel of Jesus Christ is the fact that there are times when, when our, our allegiance to family comes in conflict with our allegiance with God. You know, you may have a family that likes to party all the time. You may be in a family where there's a drug culture going on. There may be a family where, where people have no allegiance to God or to, to worshiping him. And, and now you've got to make that choice of being the, the black sheep of the family, so to speak, the, the one who is different, who maybe gets made fun of. I think as this young man leaves and turns away, there's a lot more than just, boy, I hate to, I hate to sell my car, you know? It's bigger than that. It's he's been asked to give up all the things that he has put first before God. And he just can't do it. Now, in our Wednesday morning prayer group, we had, we had a little talk about this. And I, I went in and I said, you know, I've, I've, I've preached on this passage. I've studied on it. And generally, I've looked at it the same way. I, I heard a Baptist preacher one time say, and the young man turned around and walked away from Jesus straight into hell. Well, I kind of had this idea that the young man now has rejected Jesus and it's all done for him. It's all over. But that's not the way life works, is it? We look at Peter. How, you know, he denied Jesus. Peter stood in the way of what Jesus wanted to do at times, and yet Jesus didn't give up on him. Jesus tells the story of a young man who turns his back and walks away from his family and his father. And Jesus says, but the father who represents God 
stays there faithfully watching for the return of the young man. And so for the first time, it occurred to me that this young man isn't necessarily lost, that he's just like you and me, that the first time when you encounter the gospel, you may not fully embrace it. You may not say, wow, let me go sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow Jesus. That you have to go through some struggles with that. And what's really hard for this young man, I think, is that he's being asked to do something that may be the hardest thing for all of us to do, that Jesus did not ask of everybody else. That's the other thing that occurred to me. Go and look at everybody who Jesus had a close relationship with in his life. Mary and Martha had a home that he would go to. And he'd, you know, and he'd, he'd talk, Martha, Martha, you're, you're too busy with too many things. Get out of the kitchen. Stop vacuuming. Come out here. You know, let's learn something together about God. So they had a home. Nicodemus, who's, who's, who's a, a powerful religious leader, He comes to Jesus in the middle of the night in the darkness to ask him a question about eternal life. Just as this young man has come in broad daylight running and kneeling at the feet of Jesus. Can you imagine that? His friends seeing him doing that? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with Tommy that he's all of a sudden he's kneeling at the feet of this man? Nicodemus couldn't do that. His reputation was at stake so he came in the middle of the night but Jesus didn't didn't criticize him for that. Zacchaeus climbs up into a tree to see Jesus passing by. He's a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. It doesn't say that in the scriptures, by the way. It's in a little song. But Zacchaeus climbs up in that tree, and then he says to Jesus, he says, you know, I'm going to give this percentage of everything that I have earned to the poor. I'm going to pay back the people who I have cheated See, you know, collecting taxes was a good thing, but you you were able to skim some off the top and take advantage of people. I'm going to make things right. He doesn't say I'm going to sell everything I have. He doesn't say I'm going to give 100% of my bank account. He's giving part of it to make up for what he has done. And Jesus doesn't say to him, well, one other thing you need to do, you need to go ahead and sell everything and come and follow me. He doesn't say that to him. He says, Zacchaeus, this day salvation has come to your house. So it's interesting as we go along and see that he didn't ask Peter and the fishermen to sell their boats. During the Gospels, there were times when Jesus and them went back to their hometowns and they would go out on their boats together. He's requiring of this man something very different. And I wondered this week if it isn't the same for you and me, that sometimes Jesus requires something different from each of us because we're each owned by something different. Family, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. In the culture that this young man was in, family was everything. And to be asked to leave your family may have been a bigger thing than being asked to sell your possessions. It's not easy to follow Jesus. The gospel isn't always easy. It means good news, but sometimes I think for a lot of us, initially, it's bad news until we understand the full meaning of what Jesus is saying, until we understand what he's offering to us. Not just eternal life beyond this life, but he's offering us true life in this life, an appreciation for things that go beyond the material, and an appreciation for a relationship with the Father in heaven that can be greater than any other relationship we can have in this life. But we don't want to hear that. So let's be easy on this young man. 
You know, the good news is, and uh, this is a little bit of supposition here, that this young man, some people have said, because of internal uh, evidence within the Gospels, that this young man was John Mark. It's interesting because in the stories in Matthew and in the story in, in Luke of the rich young ruler coming, it doesn't say that Jesus loved him. But isn't it a little bit curious that in Mark's account, who some people believe that he is the young man, he said Jesus examined him and he loved him. How did anybody know that? Mark may have known it because he knew the love of Jesus later. And then in Mark's gospel, he's the only one who talks about an unnamed man who runs away uh, from the tomb, who loses his cloak as he runs, so he ends up running naked. And so some have said, well, that could be the rich young ruler who has given up everything now, and all he has is this, this cloak to wear. You know, they, There's all kinds of little evidences there that John Mark the writer of Mark, who goes on missionary uh, trips with Paul and Barnabas, but then he comes to a point where he says, I don't want to go on the next leg of the trip, and Paul gets very upset with him, and Barnabas defends him, but he says, I want to go back home. (laughs) I want to go to mommy. Can't take this anymore. And Paul just sees this as terrible and condemns him, but Barnabas defends him. He goes on to become the scribe, the right-hand man for Peter. And it's because of that relationship that the Gospel of Mark is written. So people said, it seems to them that this rich young ruler very well could have been John Mark. And if that's true, then he turned around and he came back to Jesus. You see, don't look at that that picture up there and think that's the end of the story. And don't think in your own life if at some point you go through a time where you give up on God. You go up, up through a time like I did where I spent a year away from church. Now, I would say, oh, I didn't spend a year away from God. You know, I went down to the fishing hole and I did this and that and the other, you know. But I was with, God was with me. He's always, he's everywhere, you know. But, but I didn't go to church. I wasn't with the body of Christ on Sundays. I wasn't receiving communion. I walked away from a while, for a while. It doesn't mean that you can't come back. And it doesn't mean the people in your life who you're praying for that they won't come back someday. That is the good news. That God's grace doesn't give up on us. And if Jesus, as it says in Mark, loved this young man, then I guarantee you, Jesus did all that he could to bring him back into the kingdom of God. That's a wonderful thing. The opening song, I'm just going to read that and then we'll... We'll finish here because I, I think the words to this are just so amazing. Of course, we sing it before we've heard the scripture and before we've heard the story. And it's interesting that uh, I copied this out of the faith we sing. Uh, you may or may not have noticed in your lifetime of singing, uh, and because we don't use hymnals, haven't for some years now, it, it's, it's less evident. But many times uh, underneath in small letters, uh, it will tell you, the scriptures that this hymn is based on. This hymn is not based on this scripture. It's based on the calling of the disciples to come and follow Jesus. But I think it fits 
this story perfectly. Listen to this. Would I have answered when you called, come follow, follow me? Would I at once have left behind both work and family? Or would the old familiar round have held me by its claim and kept the spark within my heart from bursting into flame? Would I have followed when you led through ancient Galilee on roads unknown, by ways untried, beyond security? Or would I soon have hurried back to home and comfort Drew, where truth you might... I'm going to put my glasses on. You guys, man. Vanity. Okay. And all I can find is these little glasses that don't fit my head, so... Because my head's so big. Uh, Would I have hurried back home and comfort Drew... Where truth you taught would not disturb the ordered world I knew. Do you hear that? Would I have gone back home where the truth that you taught would not have disturbed the ordered world I knew? We don't want Jesus to interrupt our lives. We don't want him. Maybe the young man thought, I'll come and he'll tell me and then I can go home to everything that I'm familiar with and I can just add this to my agenda, to my checkoff list. But that's not how it works. Jesus wants all of us. And just like Peter and the fishermen, he may say to us, continue in your vocation, continue where you are, and spread the gospel that way. But you still need to come and follow me, and you need to learn of me. Folks, Jesus Christ doesn't call us to simply make little adjustments to our lives, to be better people in our lives. He calls us to put him first. And that is where eternal life comes in. Again, not just for some time later on at the end of our lives, but for here and now. Uh, I'm going to tell you a quick story and then we'll end. uh, When I was 20 years old, I think I've talked about my mom a little bit to you all. My mom had a tremendous Irish temper. She could get mad so quick. She could get mad at me. I remember my brother and sister. It seemed like she never really got mad at them. But she loved to get mad at me. And I loved it. And I think she loved to get mad at me because I loved it when she got mad at me because when she got mad at me, it meant she was paying attention to me. And as the middle child, I sometimes felt like I didn't get any attention. So uh, I was 20 years old. I'm not a little kid now. I'm 20 years old. And I'm, I'm working in their warehouse of their business. Uh, we're putting desks together for delivery. And I remember my mom came. And there was a hammer sitting there that, uh, you know, on, on, on one of the desks. And she came and she picked it up. I don't know why she picked it up, but she started talking to me and we got into an argument. And she starts waving that hammer back and forth. And finally I said, go ahead, go ahead and hit me with it. You know, which was dangerous because she really might have done that. And so I said, I'm out of here. That's it. It's all over. And so I get up and I walk out on Route 1, you know, Jefferson Davis Highway. Uh, there in Woodbridge, uh, whose name is, I think, about, to, they're going to be changing that name, by the way, just an aside. But, uh, so I go and I head south on Jefferson Davis Highway, and it's a hot day like today. And I get to the Mexican taco place, and I'm thinking about, you know, I'm hungry, maybe I should get, get lunch. And then I start thinking about, where am I going? turn my back on my parents. I've said, that's it. I'm going down. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I turned around and went back. 
And who's waiting at the front door? My mom. (laughs) And she immediately puts her arms around me and hugs me and says, I'm so sorry, son. I'm so sorry. This is the way it always ended. That's why I loved it because we could fight. And uh, I still don't mind a good church fight. You know, it's like they say about with your wife. You know, it's the making up that counts, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's not always a bad thing. If you, if you know how to fight, and we knew how to fight, and we knew, first of all, there was never a time during a fight that I didn't know that my mom loved me. But I turned my back, and I came back. You see, that's what parents, that's what they're about. Parents are those people who it doesn't matter what you do or how many times you turn your backs on them, that when you show up at the house, the door is, is open for you. They're there ready to embrace you. That's what the prodigal son story is about. That's what this story, I believe, is about. Because Jesus ends it saying to his, his uh, disciples, he says, when they ask, if this young man can't be saved, if the rich can't be saved, because they believe that rich, the rich were blessed by God, then who can be saved? And that's when Jesus says, all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. Folks, don't give up on God, because he'll never give up on you. And amen. Holy Father, we thank you, Lord, as we, as we leave this sanctuary this morning that we know that we do not leave your presence. And Father, as we go forth, may we hear the call of Jesus in our lives, in all those places that we have set aside and we have tried to protect and uh, protect from his call. Father, we pray this morning that we would open our hearts entirely to him. And wherever you call us, wherever you lead us, we will go. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And amen.